42 years being together. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you're going to start doing the math. Like, I was eight, and she was like five when we got together. <clears throat> the Lord's been good to us. I want to, I wanna, um, you know, I get a couple of times here to preach in, in a series, but I want to kind of link back into something that, uh, that I was talking about last week. But I wanted you to think about, I don't want to see any hands raised, but I want you to think about how you see yourself. And if you see yourself in basically two compartments, there's your spiritual life and then there's your natural life or the things that you do, the titles that you have, the activity that you work uh, with or in. And I wanted to see just again, do you see those as two different worlds or do you see them connected as one? Might be something you want to talk about over lunch today because I'm going to talk to you and I've always talked with the church from the perspective that there's no random, that everything is tied together. And even though we have spiritual activity, I've never been the type who after leaving uh, a church service or maybe a prayer service or being involved with brothers or sisters in the Lord and then I leave and go into something else, I've never seen those as separate. I've seen as much ministry when I was in my career in the auto industry as I do in the church. I have had as many prophetic words spoken to me over in General Motors as I have in the church. And that might surprise some of you, but then some of you might say, yeah, God speaks to me through people all the time. And so maybe it's not a surprise, but I want you to think about how you see yourself and how you see your spiritual life. A few years into my uh, ministry in Annapolis, I had the opportunity to meet Ellen Blackwell. Now, Ellen Blackwell, at the time that I met her, she was the senior pastor of a church in Fairfax, Virginia called Way of Faith, and she was also the founder of Fellowship House Retreat Center in Medell, Galilee. She was one of only a few, a handful of people that the nation of Israel actually allowed them to buy property and establish a retreat center there. And so when I was meeting with her, she was probably 94, 95 years old and still the leader of those two organizations. Now, Ellen died in January 2015, still senior pastor and leader of this retreat center at 104 years old. Boy, that'll challenge you, won't it? <laughs> that may, may you make you think about what retirement might be like. 104 years old. Ellen goes down in AG history as the longest serving female senior pastor in our history. And I had the privilege of meeting with her, like I said, um, a few years into my pastorate in Annapolis. The reason why the superintendent at the time opened up a door for me to meet with her is because I was talking to them about all the supernatural activity, and I had never been a senior pastor before, and I didn't know if all that stuff was kind of normal 
or if it was abnormal. I didn't understand all of the warfare and all the activity, good and bad. I mean, there was a lot of supernatural stuff happening around. But as I told my story to them, he said, you need to go meet with Pastor Blackwell. So Colleen and I went and we took another couple with us from the church. And I remember meeting with her again. She was about 94, 95 years old at the time. And I remember coming into her office and I just couldn't wait to tell her about my experience as being a senior pastor. And I was looking for some kind of a uh, feedback from her to either say, yeah, this is normal or no, man, you're doing something wrong if you're walking in all this kind of stuff. I was just looking for something from her. And so she listened to me talk for a while. And then she opened her mouth and she says, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, I couldn't remember exactly the, the time of it, but let's just say 40 years ago from that time, she knew that the Spirit of God was moving in the Annapolis area, and she felt that the Lord was calling her to go there. And so Route 50 is a highway that runs the entire length from west to east in uh, the United States, and it's a pretty significant road. Anyway, she's on 50 coming into Annapolis, and the Spirit of the Lord stopped her and said, this isn't for you, and turned her around, and she went to Fairfax, Virginia, where she did this ministry. When she got done saying that sentence, she didn't say another word. And now, it was one of those uncomfortable silences. You know what I'm saying? It's like everything just kind of stops. In fact, the four of us were looking at each other going, wait a minute, you know, we're with this 94-year-old woman. What, did something just happen? Did she, is she asleep? Did something, I mean, we started to get nervous. I, I wasn't sure what was happening in the room. And then all of a sudden, she just reaches over and she puts her hand on my hand and she says, but I can see now that the Lord has opened Annapolis to you. And I say that to say this. I can't tell you how many times in my ministry there in that part of the world that I went back to that meeting to hear just that one sentence from her to validate that I was right where God wanted me to be. And where this message is going to go for you is to, is to say this. I wonder how many senior saints we have with us or online with us or may see this message in the future. I wonder how many of us, God has positioned you to simply say to the younger generation, you're right where you're supposed to be. I just can't, I don't have the words to tell you what that encounter meant to me as we went back and saw just a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go through all the details, but it was just a lot of stuff. And so when I get the opportunity to speak to people, there is a message that comes out of me. Like if you were here last week, I know I gave you a fire hose worth of stuff instead of a, a drink. It was a fire hose. But I, everything in me, in my spirit is saying, this is the end of the end for the church age. And everybody who's listening to me on the planet of earth right now, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have a part to play 
in how this is going to end. And now listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, come see me. I will introduce you to him, but I'm telling you, he'll change your life. How many know Jesus will change your life? Hallelujah. He's real. He's not made up. He's not a phantom. He's actually real. And he loves us. And so if you're not, if you don't know him, come see me before you leave this building or contact me if you're online. Because there are things that we're going through that we are going to need every level, every generation to help steady the ship and bring us through into the next season of the church age, which I personally believe is the last one. And I'll tell you why I believe it. I'm going, to just, I'm going to make a case for this in, in a few minutes here and tell you why I believe that we're living in some different times than in any other human being that's ever lived, has lived. And I'm going to start out with Matthew 24. It's words of Jesus. I want to read this to you because Jesus was talking about the end of the age and his disciples said this to him, a, a really nice question. Lord, what's going to be the sign of your coming? Doesn't that sound reasonable? Seems reasonable, right? What's the sign of it? And so Jesus says this in Matthew 24, verse 32. He says, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way you see these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And so you've got to look at this and see a couple of things. One is Jesus saying, you're going to know when I'm coming back, whenever this fig tree begins to sprout and take root and grow. And we know that the fig tree is representing Israel. And so when Israel begins to grow and when Israel begins to be planted and begins to spread out its branches and begins to produce leaves, you're going to know that you're in a season of and a time of my return. And he goes on to say, the generation that sees that is going to see my return. Now you got to get that. The generation that sees Israel get planted, and begin to grow is going to see my return. Now, if you want to try to, I shouldn't say try, but when you set out to understand the Word of God, this perfect Word, the book that you need to use is the perfect Word. In other words, the Bible will interpret itself. You don't need to go out anywhere else and you need to look at when it is setting up or laying out a timeline or activity or when there's things that's happened in the past, they're going to trumpet the things that are happening in the future. And so in Psalms 90.10, I don't think we have this up there, but it, def but it defines what a generation is. If you want to look at this, Psalms 90.10, the days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. And so now Jesus is talking about or revealing to us about the activity of Israel. And we know from the Psalms that a generation is about 70 to 80 years. 
And now the only question comes out to is, why is this generation different than any other generation? Why is it different for us today than it was a thousand years ago or 500 years ago? And see, Jesus, I believe, was remembering the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah 66, 8, there's a prophecy about the children of Israel. And he says this, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Now, something that happened in 1948, in May 1948, that has never, ever happened before. The United Nations gathered after World War II, after the atrocities of the Jews were revealed, and in one day voted for Israel to become a state. This is a significant spiritual signpost of the days that we live in. And I'm making a case to you why I'm so driven to speak for us to be prepared for the activity that's going on. I'll let you get your calculators out from 1948 and you type in 70 plus 80 or 80 and 70 and you see where we fall in that activity or that timeline and you'll understand why I feel like this is the end of the end. See, the earth is, is shouting right now that she's getting ready to have a birth. The birth pains that have come upon the earth is more intense now than in any time in history. Ladies, how, how many, or how do you remember the, the last moments of giving birth compared to month five or month four? There's something that is different in those last moments where pressure begins to build up in order to give a birth. And the church is getting ready to be born. It's getting ready to be birthed into the kingdom of God. It's getting ready to be raptured out. See, the thing is, is all the evil and the wickedness that's on the planet, the Lord is going to deal with. He's not turning a blind eye to. And so we know during the times of the tribulation, the bold judgments and the trumpet judgments are going to be poured out onto the earth in a seven-year period. It's going to be the most horrific, painful, bloody time. In fact, a third of humanity will be done away with. And so that wrath is coming. But now we're in a church age of grace where the Lord is saying, listen, anyone who calls upon me can be saved. How many are glad for that? Anybody. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to buy it. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus can receive salvation from him. And so I'm always going to be speaking. Have you made that decision? And if you have, what kind of a life are you living right now? Are you living it in view of what's happening on the earth? I just think it's an amazing thing that what Isaiah saw 2,700 years before it happened, relatively speaking, we've seen that in our time. 
I mean, I wasn't alive in 1948, but, but the season of that is here. And I look at the Word of God and I see all the prophetic signposts that have been fulfilled and everything that's taking place. And the Spirit in me is, is only has one message, to get people ready. Call them to the end. Say that this is not going to last very much longer. How many are glad for that? Really, how many are glad for that? And so I'm here to ask you to consider that you are unique in all of human history to be alive right now. And we have to look at, okay, so how does this activity kind of play out? I will always, always cherish Ellen Blackwell's voice in my life. And to hear her story and her time with the Holy Spirit and just the short time that we had together. But how her strength strengthened me. I've actually titled this message that, Strength for Strength. Because I feel the Spirit of the Lord asking those who have walked with Him for a while, if you'd be willing to share your strength with someone else. If you would be able to kind of, you know, get out of our own way. Can I say it that way? Can we get out of our own way and realize that we're on a stage that's far bigger than the world that we kind of limit it down to? In this part of my message, I, I, I really am just speaking to those who know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, the words I'm about to speak are going to sound like gibberish. But if you know Jesus, can you begin to think about all your experiences and the things that you've done in your life and how you may have somebody sitting right next to you or somebody at the cubicle beside you or someone in a, you know, the neighborhood that absolutely needs a word from God from you. I got to this point in this message and I just felt the Lord say, listen, I want you to tell the seniors that are in this room something from me. That the Lord watched you during this time of COVID and how he is crediting you for your faithfulness. It's the senior saints. Listen to me. It's the seniors who took the fire from 2019 and carried it through a pandemic and repositioned it now for another season. And the Lord said, you've been faithful to me. I've watched you. I just want to applaud you guys. I'm telling you, I just want to applaud you for staying and standing and not letting the threat of disease or challenges or financial collapse or whatever the bad news you heard. Did anybody hear bad news in, during the pandemic? I mean, you guys are looking at me like I'm talking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, listen. I know COVID was there. I had, we had two friends die from it. I, it's not that it wasn't there. But I wasn't going to, and I hear the Lord saying this about you. You weren't going to bow your knee to anything other than Jesus. And he goes, I remember that. 
You need to mark that down in your little book and say, man, the Lord says he's, gonna, he's got one for me. And you've got to know that the Spirit of the Lord watches our lives. And so consider this. Because the Lord has got you positioned for this time, consider that there is activity that God has for you to do. You're not done. In fact, one of the craziest funerals I ever did, I got a call from a woman. Her husband, the week before, came to an altar call. He had never been a Christian, and I prayed for him. And four days later, she calls me and says, I woke up and my husband is dead in the bed. And I said to the Lord, man, that's some good timing, Lord. I just said, that's some good timing. But then the Lord said one of the strangest things he's ever said to me. He says, I want you to go to that house. He's, he's going to be in a body bag. I want you to unzip that body bag. I want you to anoint his head with oil because I'm not done with him yet. Now, I'd like to tell you right now he jumped up out of that body bag, but he didn't. But that house full of people watched me declare something over a man that even though his body was dead, his spirit wasn't. And there was something the Lord was doing with him. And I say that to say this, I don't know where you see yourself at, but there's a big future for you. There's a lot of life for you. Now, maybe if you're 105 years old and you're listening to me today, you can say, well, pastor, my time's done. But if you're not 105, I'm going to say this to you. There's still more to do. And God's calling us to stand and to move forward. And I want you to consider that, the, that God's word, I want you to, this is kind of like a main statement, that God's word is the strength for you and others. God's word. His word in you. Now you've got to know that people that aren't Christians probably aren't reading the Bible. You're their Bible. Does that shock anybody? I would just encourage you to make sure you read the Bible. <laughs> Please. Let that strength be poured into you so that you can give it to another. We live in some incredible days. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm opening up my eyes every morning and saying, okay, Lord, one more day. One more day you're giving me. The reason why I mentioned AI last week, and I will continue to ask you to look at this, is I absolutely believe that AI is going to be very instrumental in the times of the tribulation. And what I see AI doing and the speed in which it's learning and the activity that it's involved in. I mean, just this past week, I saw three things. I saw uh, the auto industry say that they're uploading AI into every new car coming off the, off the line. I'm seeing AI being um, embraced by the military to recruit new soldiers. And the medical breakthroughs that are coming through again this week, especially in the area of cancer. 
And I want to say this to you. The reason why it's important to watch this is because what AI is doing on the planet has already happened once, and we need to look back on what the Lord did there to understand what he's going to do here. I got your attention on that one, didn't I? Genesis 11.4. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one, what's that word say? Language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose will be withheld from them. When the earth was at one language, they began to say to themselves, we can determine our own way. And when the earth was one language, he says, we will be our own gods and we will have our own purpose and we will do things our way. And the Lord said, ah, no. We're not going to do that, so I'm coming down and I'm going to scatter and separate people. Now, one thing that AI is doing rapidly, hour after hour after hour, he's uniting every language and every people on the planet are now speaking one language. And when that one language begins to get formulated, the engineers of Google can say things like this, in seven years, we're going to solve the problem of death. And the Lord said, you'll be able to do that. So what's Satan's end game here? Satan's end game is this. If he could eliminate death, then he could stay in charge. This is what jumps my spirit in like nothing else. Is because the Lord has already done this once, guess what he's about ready to do again? He's about to disrupt that system and begin to separate people out. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to come with me. I'm going, all right? I'm just letting you know. When the Lord shouts and says, come on, church, I've got something for you for the next seven years, I'm going to be there. I know many of you will be too. But don't we want all of our family to be there? Don't we want all of our friends to be there? Listen, now's the time to push in. Now's the time to leave it all on the field. Pray for them again. Knock on their door again. Ask the Lord to deal with heart issues in you again. I could tell you the Lord God is not going to allow Satan or the invention of man to change the date of judgment that's coming. He's not going to allow it. And so when I hear IBM say, listen, the knowledge of all men, the, the, you know, all knowledge that man has is doubling every 12 hours now, that's going to speed up. That's going to speed up. And if, at first we're going to sound like, what a wonderful thing. Man, diseases are being cured. Hallelujah. Brain trauma. How, how we deal with blood issues. Man, that's all good. Man, that's going to improve my quality of life. Hallelujah. And listen, I'm, I'm glad for medical breakthroughs. But the bait is for us to continue to rely on everything other than Jesus.
And so as I look at history, and I think about how the disciples knew that they were living in the last days in their time, what do you think we ought to be thinking about? We're living in the last minutes of the last days. We're living on the brink of the end getting ready to be called. And so as, as we heard Carissa speak and Margie last week, Pastor Rich has been talking about these redemptive relationships. This is the push. This is it. To call in, to bring about, to see people having encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not being, not sitting back and just letting the world pass by. But because we understand and we we know that this is the end. We've got to abandon every other agenda except for what the Lord Jesus has called us to do. And if you're not sure what that is, I got a novel idea for you. How about just ask them? <laughs> How about just ask them? And some of you seniors that are in this room or are online with me, you're going to need to reach over your hand one day and tell somebody younger, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Come on. Hold on. Hold on. God's got you in this. We've got to really fight against having this carnal approach to Christianity. This is where my first question comes out to you. We've got our church life, and then on Mondays, I go to the office. And that's a different world. Or I have my church life, and then I go golfing or fishing. I had to put them both in there. I mean, right. I... In other words, we've compartmentalized our life that when we've made the decision to be with Jesus, oh, I'm all in. But on Monday, I'm going to go do something else. Paul says this in Romans 8. This is my last passage. Verse 5 says, Those who live according to a sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. I wonder if you would consider today which mind might be dominant with you today. I've just made a couple of lists on what the carnal mind might be doing with you. A carnal mind only believes what it can make sense of. Those who have put their hope in science, you know, I'd like to just tell you, God didn't use science to make the earth and the world and the creation. You know, you know that, right? He used faith. The carnal mind only makes decisions in safety. Very low risk. I'm not going to put my neck out there. I've got to protect myself. The carnal mind is the source to meeting all needs. I will heal myself. I will bless myself. 
I will provide for myself. It's okay to say ouch or or keep your head down. The carnal mind has little understanding of life after death. The spiritual mind now relies on faith, God's word, to define reality. The spirit mind makes decisions on God's ability and his care for us. The spirit mind understands my source for all I need comes from God, and I go to him with all my needs. The spirit mind is excited about life after death, which really isn't death at all. It's just shedding this body. How many are looking forward to that? (laughs) The older I get, I'm like, Lord, help me. I think about all the things I'm going to be able to do with a new body, like do backflips and run fast and fly and go through walls. I'm just excited about it. I'm excited about a life that God has for us that's not defined in the flesh. I'm excited about that. Now, I don't want to just go brain dead on the planet and just sit back and wait, but everything that motivates me is like, this is for that. You know, as a pastor, you have a lot of stories. And I wasn't allowed to tell these stories in Annapolis, but I could tell you because nobody knows them. But I'll never forget this funeral that I was called to do. And I may have mentioned it before, but um, the woman had divorced her husband years and years ago, and her and her boys came to our church, and they were part of our youth group. And and anyway, I never really met her husband or before they divorced, but she, he had passed away and she contacted me and said, would you come do the funeral? And I said, well, of course I will. And she said, I just need to tell you something. On his deathbed, when we went to meet with him, we discovered that he had an entirely other family in Annapolis. Kids were all about the same age. Wife was the same age. And so when I stepped into this church, it sat 200 people. There was 100 people on this side from this family. And there was 100 people on this side from this family, and they only knew of each other just a week earlier. Now I'm standing up there going, Lord, I sure hope you've got something to say here, because, man, this, they may kill me in this, in this seat. But the simplicity of Jesus came down to this. And I pointed to this man. I said, he only had one decision to make on this planet was to accept Jesus. And he made that. And his kids on this family were saved. And his kids on this family were saved. It was just a bizarre scene. But to bring this down to all the high fluting thinking, that we want to get into the goal setting for this time comes down to this one thing. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if not, do it today. If you have seniors, I want to say this to you. Ask the Lord whose strength 
You can give, or, or the strength that you have, you can give for another to support a younger generation in this last push because the earth is getting ready to give birth to the church and it's going to be more intense in the days ahead than it is now. But with Jesus, we've got his peace. And so I want to leave you with that and hopefully you understand why when I open my mouth, it's always about where are you at with the Lord? What's he saying to you? What activity are you hearing from him during the week? Are you having a relationship with him? You're going to hear that from me. Why? I don't think you'll hear it from me tomorrow. I'm living my life like I'll be gone. And so this is the only opportunity we have. So let me pray over you as our worship team comes up. Let me pray over you. And you don't have to stand up. I just want you to just kind of bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask this first question about if there's anybody in this room that you're not sure you're saved and you would like to make sure, and it's just as simple as just saying, Lord, I believe you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. You rose from the dead, and I'm accepting your sacrifice. If that's, if that's a prayer that you want to apply to you, just raise your hand if you've never done that before. If you're online and you're saying that prayer for the first time, please let us know or tell somebody you know is praying for you that you've received Christ for the first time. I bless you in it, in the name of the Lord. Now this second call is, if you know that there's strength in you and that you would like the Lord to help you see who you could strengthen the next generation on, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'm going to pray over you that you know that God has put strength in you for another. I just want to pray that over you. Lord, you see that our hands are up. And Lord, I pray, Lord, in this last minute of the church age, Lord, that you would see Bethel and those that are online with us, you would see your church asking of you, is there one more we could strengthen? Is there one more I could give a word to? Is there one more that I could wrap my arms around and say, you're doing well, keep going? Lord, would you reveal it to us? And Lord, that you would be glorified in it. And we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.